This is Working the Beat. It is Wednesday, August 19, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Mike Kern will join us in a minute. Give me what you can tonight. As we're busy with playoff time going on right now, obviously the major story around here on these parts on Tuesday, Flyers take a 3-1 lead, beat the Montreal Canadiens 2-0, second straight shutout for Carter Hart on Tuesday so they can close out the series on Wednesday night. We'll talk to Ed Barkowitz of the Inquirer, who teams up with Sam Carcitti to cover all things fly guys. He will be our guest tonight. We were scheduled to have Keith Pompey, but schedule difficulties came up. And uh, so we'll hope to get Keith on at another time here to discuss the Sixers, although their time may be running out. Down 0-1 to the Celtics kind of a lackluster effort uh, that they performed on uh, on Monday night in losing their first game, especially Joel and B look horrible in the second half, uh, especially when he should be the best player on the floor, and he clearly wasn't. So uh, we will catch up with Keith at another point. We had tried to tape things and move things around uh, here. It just didn't work. So uh, when we come back, Mike will join us. And Ed Barkowitz of the Philadelphia Inquirer will join us to talk Flyers and Canadian. Uh, 3-1 Flyer lead looking like they're going to the second round for the first time since 2012. Back with more on Working the Beat right after this with Eddie Barkowitz. So we begin our playoff conversation, obviously talking about the bright side, at least on at this point. Flyers are up three games to one on the Montreal Canadiens following a 2 nothing win over the Habs on Tuesday afternoon up in Toronto. I still want to say Air Canada Centre, but it's now Scotiabank Arena. Um, they take the commanding 3-1 series lead. Game four is on Wednesday. Or I'm sorry, game five is on Wednesday night, trying to close it out and... Joining us, one of the coverage t- members of the coverage team for the Philadelphia Inquirer, along with uh, Sam Carcidi, it is Ed Barkowitz. Ed, how are you? What's up, boys? It's daily news. <laughs> now, I think at this point you have to say Inquirer. I, I know what it is, I'm, but I know who I'm talking to. Yeah, my blood, my blood still runs red daily news. You know that's right. Uh, Inquirer pays the bills, and they're good people to work that's with. That's right. That's both true. <laughs> And I, I guess let's start with this. Are they lucky to be up 3-1? or Because offensively, they've been pretty putrid in this whole series. And, I mean, you know, they, they have five goals. And one of them today, Carey Price kind of coughed up on his own, the, the basically the second one. But, you know, they've been really good defensively, and they've kept Montreal in games three and four at least away from Carter Hart, where they're not really in high-scoring areas. Yeah, I would say that they are fortunate to be up 3-1, to one, uh, especially given the first two games. Uh, I would say Montreal was the better team in five of those first six periods. Uh, the Flyers, uh, you know, got that win in game one, were overwhelmed in game two. Uh, but the Flyers have been the better team in these last two games, even with the offense struggling. If you ask me, the next thing that needs to fall for the Flyers is to get the power play going. If they can get the power play going a little bit, then that will, to, to me, loosen up some sticks. You get some guys on that power play who aren't scoring. Giroux, uh, Couturier, uh, Hayes, Konechny. You, you get one of those guys to score that, on the power play goal, that might should carry over in the 5-on-5. And, Ed, we talked about this beforehand. I thought today on the power play, they had three power plays. They didn't score. But you were a, a Shea Weber stick away from Couturier knocking one in an empty net. And I thought that they had more structure to their power play on on Tuesday than they have in any other game in the series. 
Yeah, they were getting the puck down. They were getting the puck into the zone, which is as fundamental as tying your shoes before you go out the door. But the, for three games there, the Canadians were just frustrating them with an umbrella coverage that, that, that they just couldn't penetrate. Here, they were getting pucks deep, and they were winning those battles that they hadn't won in the earlier games. Now, granted, it was only three power plays, maybe two and a half since that third power play was so late. You know, right. they, they didn't really have their foot on the pedal. But, yeah, I agree, Ted. Their, their power play did show a little bit of life tonight. Mike? Eddie, this is a team that, it seemed to me anyway, like won a lot of their games during the year by outscoring people. They had offense. They could, you know, they could do it. They've given up four goals in their six playoff wins so far. You're not going to lose any games if you do that. Um, is it surprising to you how they're getting it done, or is that a good sign that they're getting it done a different way if you think that at some point their offense is going to wake up even a little bit? Yeah, and I, I think I think the Canadians are a bad matchup for them, frankly. I think the Canadians to them are maybe what the uh, Islanders are for the Capitals, just a poor matchup because – you know, you remember the three regular season games. The, the Flyers struggled in those games. They won two in overtime, and they got they got thumped up a little bit down here in the third game. I, I think that the idea that, that they might have, you know, continually put up a four or five spot like they did in the round robin, that might have been a little uh, uh, presumptuous given who the Canadians have in net, one, and, and two, that the Canadians have a lot of speed, especially now, uh, up the middle with their centers. And, Ed, when you look at it, the one thing the Flyers have done extremely well in these two games in front of Hart, man, they're blocking shots left and right. It's You almost expect to see Brad Marsh out there at this point laying out and, and all that. I mean, they are just – the block shot numbers are, are – you know, and, sh, you know, it's in front of Shea Weber. I mean, they're they're diving left and right. Robert, Robert Haig today took one in the head. Yep. And, I mean yep. – it's not good for long-term health, but for this series, it's kind of worked for him. Nate, Nate Thompson took one too uh, uh, later on the on shoe, the on, off the shoe, off the boot, right? And um, uh, you know, Weber, Weber had nine attempts uh, at shots, and he, and he has a howitzer back there. For those who don't know, I mean, it's if you've watched the series, you know by now. But he had nine attempts, and five of them were blocked. Now, this is this. It, it almost feels a lot like what we used to watch with the Flyers. You run into a hot goaltender. Uh, your goalie flubs a, 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 an easy shot. The other team is blocking all, all sorts of uh, yeah. shots. Yeah. It's just kind of, you know, the other team is getting fourth-line scoring. But they, this is a recipe. You know, it, it's, a, it's a way to win. you got to find different ways to win. And, and I think we'd be remiss uh, to not kind of point out what Elaine Vino did tonight with his lines, mm-hmm. uh, taking Drew off of the first line, putting Michael Roffle up on that line, and who scores the first goal but Michael Roffle? Mike, Eddie, is it, without simplifying it, because you have to have talent. I mean, obviously, and the goalie's very good, even if he's young. How much of this is the coach? I, I mean, I, I know he's done this at a couple other places, but it just seems amazing. And I don't know how this is going to end, but you know, it just seems amazing what they've done the last – you know, second half of the season and so far in the playoffs. Yeah, because Mike, he is he comes in with 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 with, with the pedigree, with the yeah. with accomplishments. I mean, you know, the Dave Haxtell uh, experiment, and you know, Dave was a fine human being, but you can't take a guy out of college, Skip Kelly, and, and throw him into the, into the pros and expect them to just kind of listen. I love the fine human being part. <laughs> Chip, Chip, for the record, was not a fine human being. Hey, that's the line we're going to use with Brett Brown, too. Fine human <laughs> being, yes. But, you know, you, when you don't produce uh, in Vino's in system, if you don't produce, well, you, there, there will be consequences. Now, he's not nasty about it, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he said all the right things, you know, after last game. You know, I'd asked him, uh, you know, what do you make of Claude Drew's game and he said well you know he's working hard you know he's 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 giving us 200 foot game you know playing well defensively and and left it there you know i mean he doesn't have to say that claude drew's got to start scoring or we're we're in trouble he know he he can communicate without 
being disrespectful. Eddie, how about after, after game two, and you wrote about it, about the gamesmanship, about you know they had their first team power play out there up five zip, and I thought it was BS, but that's me. But did that have an effect? Did it, did it have the effect that he wanted to on his young team? Well, it could have, Mike. And you know what? That could have resonated with the veterans. I, I haven't – because of this setup, it's – the way the mm-hmm. setup is, is the game gets played or, or the practice happens, and then you get access to players, you know, by a Zoom, and you're kind of called one at a time. So it, there's not that, that familiarity we used to have in the locker room where you can just have a chat with a guy. So I haven't had a chance personally to ask any of the players about it, and I don't re- recall if they have been asked about it. But my guess is that kind of thing would have resonated with the veterans as much as the, the Oh, kids. okay, okay. Just because the veterans were were, were garbage and, and yeah. have been garbage offensively. You know, for Pino to, to get out front of it and say, you know what, that's BS that they put their first line power. Yeah. That wasn't. Because I thought it, I, Eddie, I thought it was kind of hokey. It was kind of like when I, when I hear that us against them. But then I thought about it, and the way you wrote the story was, yeah, there was probably a point to it that we don't get as fans. Yeah, and you you see coaches and, you know, everybody sends messages like that, you know, to to deflect, you know, the heat from the players. You know, it was an attempt. I I mean, I I think a lot of people saw right through it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's what a veteran coach does for you. Usually they pick on referees, but on this case he picked on the fact that the uh, Canadians had – the first team power play. And and I would have been curious if Claude Julian would have been the coach. Uh, How the series goes. Mueller. Yeah. Well, or, or instead of Kirk Muller in this particular situation, because Vino and Kirk uh, Julian go back 40 years. Yeah. They've been friends all their lives. But here's the other thing, Eddie. The Flyers were trying to score at the end so that, that, uh, that Montreal didn't get the shutout. So did the Flyers stop trying? <laughs> you know, that works both ways. I mean, you know, well, right. well, it's all, it's almost like swinging a three zero pitch with a seven run lead. Like, yeah. Yeah. why not? <laughs> why not? You, you know, if you had if you had over seven and a half, you're all right with him. Uh, hey, absolutely. <laughs> if you had over seven and a half, you need a new bookie. Um, we talked about Giroux. Uh, I would say Kevin Hayes has not had a good series at all. Um, a couple of the other guys who were vets on this team have struggled. Uh, JVR got sat today. Yeah. Um, is this something that you think is, again, with the access not being there, it's tough. Is this raising some alarm bells, you think, among the, this coaching staff that that their vets are offensively challenged at this point, I think is yeah, the Yeah, I think term. so, Kev. I, I think so because you look at what he did. He took Michael Roffel, who had missed a few games, who's a fourth liner. Who, don't get me wrong. He's a hard worker, and he's a – excellent player for his role, but he took him and put him on the four, on the first line mm-hmm. in the playoff game. It takes, it takes some uh, Lugats to do something like that. Uh, I, I think it, you know, he took Lawton off of that second line. That second line was terrific. You know, he busted up his lines a little bit, but there's only so much you can do. And I think it would, I, my sense is they would be a lot more discouraged if defensively these guys uh, had lost interest. Drew for all you know, for all his uh, struggles offensively, he's still a beast in, in face-offs, and he still plays the 200-foot 200, 200 uh, back-checking game. You know, I, what he's struggling with, you can see, he's just gripping his stick too tightly. Two-on-ones, he's passing the puck. Right. Derek Grant, I mean, that's – now, Drew, once he gets settled, that, that, that puck will go on that. But I think it would be more of a five-arm fire if these guys were lacking defensively. Hold on for a second, Ed. I think Ed, is, it, are we looking at uh, are we looking at Van Riemsdyk maybe not being a factor at all in this playoff if he can't fit him in to one of those top two lines? I think in this series, um, yeah, I think that Farabee had a, a, a good night tonight. Um, I can't see a reason other. Like Bunneman had a good night tonight. Um, the power play isn't clicking with him in there. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, yeah, I don't think I don't think JVR has a spot right now. I mean, things turn, and, and you need to, but he uh, he has played himself out of the lineup. It's pretty good depth though that you can slide a guy that you put that much money into out of the lineup at this point and not be that. I know. Um, all right, Mike. Sorry. Well, they've always had great depth. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Eddie. 
I hate to like look ahead and stuff, but I mean, assuming they win this series, which you would think up three to one, they they should. Uh, are the Isles if the Isles take out the Caps, or has that already happened? Is that fake? That that's season? going right now. Okay. Um, yeah, last I saw, the, uh, the Isles were up two nothing. Okay. Let me let me ask one thing. Can I? Sorry, Mike, to ask this. No, but, that's okay. Uh, you did Montreal today. Is there any yeah. sign of a pulse there? Going forward, or or if they reach that stage, I think some of these bubble teams are going to face where, okay, we've had fun, time to go home. <laughs> well, there's a lot of frustration, and there's a little bit of anger because uh, Brendan Gallagher was benched uh, for a good part of the third period, and uh, you know he said, "What am I supposed to do? Just uh, you know, I, I I don't, I'm not just going to sit here and take it, but you know, I, I still have to play. You know, so you can mm-hmm. see where the frustrations." Well, but, you know, Kirk Muller in his defense, you know, you take out game two and they have one goal in three games. So, right. you know, he's, he's trying to find some solutions himself. He's, they're, they're getting even less from their top line uh, or top players. Domi uh, especially has not been a yeah. factor. And, and, you know, I thought it was a, the, the, the best line that Kirk Muller had. He was asked about the, the Myers goal that you brought up, Kevin, uh, that it was, it was a bad goal, you know, Price knocked it into his own net, essentially. And he said, yeah, that was the break that we needed. And I thought that was interesting because that's the kind of play that usually happens against the Flyers. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. No, I was just wondering, like, looking ahead, if they do – if the Bruins and Tampa end up winning, which I'm not sure they will, but, you know, they're they're the favorites, how do the the Flyers stack up against the aisle? Well, the, the few games that I did, uh, the Islanders, the Islanders are another difficult matchup, and they will have been, they'll, they'll be feeling real good about themselves too, if they sweep uh, Washington. I would think that with the uh, the edge in net, probably would go to Carter Hart over Varlamov, uh, Varlamov. Um, but the the Islanders do have some good depth up front, and their defensemen are pretty good too. Um, that will be a long series, and when it's been a while since the Flyers and the Isles have played in the postseason, hasn't it? Eighty-seven. Is it really that long, Kevin? Well, they they face each other in the semi in the Patrick Division final in eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And I can't and think that, of them since then. No, because the Islanders Islanders were garbage, and the Flyers were garbage at different times. I'll look yeah, that. I, I look that up. Look that. I'm looking that up now. So is, is that a rivalry yet? Like we always, Ed, we always think of of the Rangers as a rivalry. I don't know if we think of the Devils. I guess at one point, twenty years ago, probably was a pretty good rivalry. Sure. Is the Isles a rival? No, I don't think so, Mike. I mean, it might have been in the '80s when Leon Stickle helped them out, right. uh, but I don't. No, I don't think so. Just because they they haven't been good at the same time. Right. In 40 years. Right. Um, you know, since the Isles were winning cups and they, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't necessarily think them as being rivals. No, and I'm actually looking at this, Ed. They haven't faced since 87. 87. Wow. Uh, well, remember the, remember, the Flyers missed the playoffs from 90 to 94. 94. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and you would have just thought that maybe like once or twice, you know, in the last 30 some years, they might have cross pass, but yeah, obviously they haven't. Yeah, and the Flyers haven't been around that long in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good, yeah, yeah and, good and the Islanders really haven't been around. And, yeah, the Islanders haven't won. Yeah, I, can't, I, I mean, you want to talk about like a franchise, you hate saying it this way, but you want to talk about a franchise that's nomadic? That's the yeah. Islanders right now. I mean, they don't, they may end up back at Barclays next year because the, 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 the Nassau Coliseum has been uh, pretty much going bankrupt through the pandemic and they're still a couple years away and it just feels like they've been you know given the hockey history that that organization had it just feels like it it, it's it's been nothing since basically edmonton ended the dynasty yeah or the pat lafontaine era yeah i mean um you know i i would like to think that maybe you know they're going to get that new arena at uh, belmont park so maybe that'll breathe a little life into them. Well, you know, give them a little home. Remember, remember a couple of years ago they were they were taking the train, yeah, uh, to, to 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 the games. Yep. You know, they didn't have they didn't have the right. I mean, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate, like you said, Kev, given you know how historic that franchise is. But uh, 
that's their problem. They should have stayed. <laughs> yeah, they should have never left the island. But I get why they did because yeah. you know the, the stadium was a, was decrepit thirty years ago. Yeah. I understand, but but they were Long Island's team, and that's who supported them. And then when you you move into Brooklyn, I mean, even if the place is nice to play in, it's just it's not yeah. the same. I don't know what Belmont Park will be like, but well, and, and here's the other point. You know, for they they're as close a proximity as they've been in. You know, the Flyers. I think the Flyers and the Islanders have only played each other like four or five times in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, going back to the seventies. Yeah, because yeah. I'm not even sure when when the Isles were really good. Flyers were getting knocked out earlier. No, but yeah, before the, the the Isles before they won their cups, I don't think they played very often. The, the Flyers were playing the Rangers a lot in the Probably late seventies. Um, they played that and, series in '75 after they had come back and beat the Penguins. Uh, right, right, right. That was a from great 03. series. But the, the interesting thing, Kevin, is and Eddie might—I don't know if you guys remember this. You guys might be too young, but if the Isles had not won the Cup in '80, and that was the year the Flyers had the 33 game unbeaten, 35, yeah, yeah, and all that. If if they had not won, there was talk that they were going to break that that team up, that that nucleus up, and then they won, and then they won three more. Um, and it was just ironic because I remember I had to do a story once, Eddie. We did one of those, um, you know, 20 years back looking at the Flyers or so, whatever the heck we did. Yeah, yeah. And that was my my story was on the 80 the team, and a couple of the Flyers even said that, 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 that if the Isles had not won the, t- the Cup that year because they had come close a couple times, they were looked at as the, the losers, the, the guys that couldn't get over the hump, and then they won that? it. Well, Changed history. And, and, Ed, if you think about it, though, when you look at this year, as brutal as a Flyers Islander series could be, I think they would take that option over what's going to happen in that other series between Tampa and Boston, which could be a blood war because mm-hmm. of how much one those teams play against each other during the regular season. They've been kind of the the matchup that everybody's wanted in the East all along. Sure. That was supposed to be the East final. And now, obviously, with the Bruins without Rask, I mean, it, it becomes and different. Kevin, that's why getting the number one seed changed a lot of things. It did. Sure did. Yep. Uh, can you talk about, I guess, what a, what the Flyers, if the Flyers get through this round, kind of where do you put them in the pecking order within the East? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, they, and they, they showed this in March, and they showed it again in the round robin. Even though that wasn't, you know, playoff hockey, it was a – it was a notch above playoff, above regular season and below playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they fared very well against these all, all uh, against all the good teams. So I, I don't think that I, I have no problem with them avoiding a bloodbath until they absolutely have to have one. And you know, getting this series done early, getting the Islanders who are hot. There's no question they could lose that series, but I, I don't mind avoiding those other two teams. And and I wouldn't be afraid to play them, given how well the Flyers did play against them, especially how well they played against Boston. And Boston would foul them up whenever they – Rask was the only one who could solve the Flyers, and obviously he's not. But they, they, they kind of fared very well against Halak. And do you think the quality of – how would you describe the quality of play within the bubble here, not just of the Flyers, but everybody you've seen? Well, I, I, I think – I mean – it's good, not great. I mean, you know, the West has been pretty good. Um, I think, you know, in what you're seeing is the offenses are behind the defense mm-hmm. um, uh, to a great extent. I mean, the, in fact, the ice in Toronto seems choppier than the one in Edmonton. Yeah, that's for sure. But, yeah, but you know, Kev, honestly, there's not a whole lot that they can do. You know, no, I mean, it's August. I, I think that I, I think the, the play has been very good. I think the, the play has been good. Uh, but I mean, you know, as far as offense, the goaltenders are ahead of the, the shooters and, and, you know, that even more so than usual in the playoffs. I mean, like the, uh, the unders, you know, the degenerate that I am, uh, uh the unders are hitting at about 62, 63% of the game uh, of the time. And that's under five and a half meaning. So, you know, you get like a four, two game, that's a high scoring game in these playoffs. Well, you know, you know, what's funny, Kevin, until you mentioned August hockey, I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> it, it well, not even entered my mind that the ice could be affected because it's summer. Well, and you're also playing three games a day on it too, <laughs> which is yeah. A- and the, yeah. And today in the middle of the afternoon too. Now there isn't there isn't seventeen thousand fans to provide extra heat 
But yeah, it's true too. You did see Kev um, today. Um, I saw who was it? Two guys wiped out. Provorov wiped out, and Tatar wiped out. It, right. It, it, just, I mean, I don't know if that was a byproduct of the bad ice, uh, but that was a little disconcerting. Yeah. Eddie, did you think, or or maybe it's more that their defense was going to be able to play this good? Because we've had a couple guests on the last two weeks or so that have said their defensive pairings are really good. And I don't know if we expect it. And I know the goalie's good, obviously, but you got to have people playing in front of you. Did you think that their defense w- would, would be play, able to play at this level? The the top four, Mike, I'm, I've been sold on for quite a while. Okay. Uh, Justin Braun, I've been sold on since mid – he had a slow start mid-November. But he's he's been fine as the fifth defenseman. Uh, Bear gives them offense, but he does struggle defensively. And you see, to me, it feels like a different defensive team with uh, with Hagen there. Uh, you know, he's just a a, a gritty kind of get in your face, like Kevin said, blocks a, a shot with his helmet. Um, he he is a defensive defenseman, and and Mike, you know, the the adage is in the playoffs, you're only as good as your third pair of defensemen. Cause, okay, because they will they will. They will target you mm-hmm. uh, with matchups and stuff like that, and all of a sudden you're out against first liners uh, with your third defense, and you'll just get picked apart. And that was a big problem for the Flyers in game two. Past. Right, but, it was a big problem in game two because when Ghost got exposed, yeah, 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 yeah uh, I would agree with that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, their defense, and they have some kids that are on on the come. They have kids who are in the system that you know might not be here next year, but. They don't. They're not going to have to go out and spend eight million dollars on a defenseman. It's it's really encouraging. Yeah, Ed Barkowitz, who I I bet you would wishes he was in Toronto right now. Would you agree? No, I wish I was in Vegas. Really? He wishes he was on the <laughs> beach in Brigantine. Yeah, that's what that's he just, wishes. Yeah, Vegas, not now. I mean, you know, all things being equal, I don't know. But no, I, I'm not sure about Toronto because if I go to Toronto, I got to quarantine for two weeks. I'm not That's really right. And then that. go to now. Here's a question: Is any of you or, or anybody for you, you guys going to Edmonton if they get through the semis? I haven't talked to the boys, but I gotta think if we are going to do, it, we gotta start thinking about it now because again, you gotta quarantine, quarantine for 14, 14 days. days. So you you want to go now. In case they get there, you don't. Yeah, because that's almost impossible. If you wait till then, you're not. It's not. You're not going to be able to right. pull it off. Right. No, so you can go there, quarantine for fourteen. They get knocked out in the second round. Then you come home and you got to quarantine here for fourteen. <laughs> Spending two months in your house or your hotel room. Come on, dude. J- Jim Thomas, who's the uh, Blues beat writer for the St. Louis Post Dispatch, ended up doing that. He ended up going up to to Toronto, or I'm sorry, to Edmonton. And he may be coming home early too. So, and honestly, Eddie, you don't get Eddie, that much access. If you start driving now, I think you can get there in about a week and a half. No doubt. And 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 Kev, Samantha Pell, who does a great job for the Washington uh, paper uh, uh, covering the Capitals, is in Toronto. And uh, she's coming home probably. You, you know, there, there's a webs, there's a Twitter account that follows aviation <laughs> trends, like follows teams, gives like has the tail numbers and route numbers for things. They had about 1 o'clock this afternoon, they had the Capitals flight from Toronto to Washington set up for tomorrow already. I kid you not. So they have their charter all set and ready to go. Eddie, uh, Ray, real quick. Yeah. One year we were in, we were in Boise, Idaho for a first round temple, West Virginia game, 1998. Still one of your great leads, Mike. (laughs) Temple came 2,500 miles for this. Um, (laughs) but at halftime, John DeSangro did the, the basketball directions op, whatever you want to call them, yeah. comes over to us. They had one plane. So Temple's down like 20. They And they said, they said West Virginia and Temple, whoever lost was taking that plane. Temple already had the engines were running. They, <laughs> they were out of there so fast. It, it was like, let's go. We're home. Yeah, Mike, was it what didn't like West Virginia go up like like 15 to 2? Like and and it and it wasn't oh, yeah. ever Oh yeah, close? I think it, I think Temple was the second team out of the tournament. I think it was like no, I think they, they were the first. If I, I remember too. right, I think they were the noon game somehow I, I at twelve thirty. Yeah, I think there was one team that beat them because th- that we were in Boise, so the game started like at nine o'clock or or whatever the hell it started at, 
I think one team like in the East was out like five minutes before they were. I could be wrong. I could okay. be wrong. I mean, yeah, and there's no direct flights commercial between no. Boise and Philly. <laughs> Nor should no. There. <laughs> Nor should there be. <laughs> so Boise's and, not a bit. You know what? Boise is not a horrible town. And I know why. No, 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 no. I got no. a jack in the box. Exactly. There is jack, but that's not why. But it's really not a bad town. It's just that you can't get there. Wow. You know? that, and, that's and, a big like, part of it. Yeah, but once you're there, though, I'm telling you, I, I was there twice. Uh, wasn't the wor- wasn't close to the worst place I've ever been. Spokane. So. Uh, I've never been to Spokane, but I've been to Olean, and I've been to uh, wherever the hell Virginia Tech is. That's that's a that's Blacksburg's bad. Oh God! I mean, well, let's yeah. let let's let Eddie go so he can uh, have his. Uh, Beverage and a, a uh, post game beverage, a little sandwich, moonshine down in South Philly. I recommend you guys come by. And you better be you better be expensive. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Bring your card. I was just gonna say, did, did it? Is that where they have the uh, chicken from? Um, uh, Rube, Big Rube. Big Rube has this chicken thing there on Wednesdays. Yeah, is, is it good? Have you ever had it? Yes, I have, and it is good. It is good. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a diamond in the rough. This place. It's uh, their kitchen is open until ten usually. Okay. Uh, you know they because it's all outdoor. They what is this place, Eddie? Moonshine. Moonshine. Where, where's that? Uh, uh, Mething and just above Mifflin. Yeah. Um, not far from like the Marmers Clubs and that kind of thing. But okay, the, uh, they got they can't stay open late. Nobody can because you know it's all right. sidewalk stuff and the neighbors all. And, and that's our that's our big Rube that's making the chicken. Yeah. Hey, I'll I'll break this to Kern and Eddie will appreciate. Hey, uh, Mike, uh, my stepdaughter's turning twenty one this week. Yep. Guess where she wants to go for dinner? Ralph's. Ralph's. Nice. Well, why not? But you can't eat there. No. So we're doing the takeout and bringing it home. Oh Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. (laughs) No doubt. Veal, Parmesan. Uh, chicken serrano for me. Oh and, yeah, no, Ed, no. Eddie's dish is real. My wife tried his dish the last time, and she thought it was out of bounds. She, and, uh, the and, sauce, and, the sauce, Kevin, and cannoli no. cake, and cannoli, cannoli cake. cake. Nice. This, this is true. Cannoli cake is good. So, Ed, yo, uh, yo, how about that? We got any anybody here about Puck? We, I saw the thing on Twitter. Was he supposed to have a surgery? Or something? He had his surgery. He's apparently doing better, uh, oh, but he's God. still in the hospital. He's uh, he's actually downtown. I, Where I, is he, Kev? Uh, Jeff. He's a Jeff. So yeah, you can't just go see people anymore, huh? No, no. Uh, but God. but my uh, my former coach at Rosemont uh, is keeping tabs with him. Yeah. So uh, who's that? No, nothing like driving out Bob to Harrisburg. Hughes. Nothing like driving out to Harrisburg for a PIAA game with Puck riding shotgun, baby. I, I, I can't Count wait. I, back. I can't wait till after we're done with uh, with Keith that I can get. Mike going on the PIAA's uh, fiasco today. <laughs> it is what it I'd is. Rather, I'd rather talk about Puck eating uh, ketchup packets. Oh. The, the, I've told you the story about Puck putting his feet up on the uh, console uh, as I fell asleep without his without his shoes or socks oh. on. Oh. <laughs> That's PTSD material right there. I, I, but I woke up and it was going through the hills of Maryland coming back from Alhambra. <laughs> Oh, what's up? All right, boys, be All right. Well. Thanks, Ed. Welcome back here to Work and the Beat. I'm Kevin Cooney. Mike and I now will begin our open talk segment. Uh, we were hoping to have Keith Pompey. Again, we had told you earlier, uh, Keith had some scheduling difficulties that popped up. Uh, we're hoping to catch up with him uh, maybe later in the week. But we talked right away um, with Mike and I about where the Sixers stand uh, trailing one game the none to the Celtics. But I still think, so they're both down a, they're both down a good player. 
Mm-hmm. Simmons probably means more to the Sixers than Hayward means to the Celts. But I still but think the, the depth, Celtics... the depth are, uh, the Celtics is way better than the Sixers. I just think that Tatum is going to have a better series than Embiid. And that's not a knock on Embiid. I just... It's just that's the I way I, w- see, I see it going. And I think the coach on the Celtics is a, is is going to get the best of Brett. I I didn't like the way Embiid went about it last night in the second half. Uh, He's there out was, of shape, Kevin. That that He's was not, just you know you got to call for the ball. How a guy can score. How a guy can make his first five shots, have eleven points in the first whatever eight minutes or whatever the hell it was. You got to call for the ball. You got to call for the ball. No, but the coach. When you're in the fourth quarter and they're calling timeouts, has to come out of the timeout with a play run for him. And this is a trend that obviously last year hurt them in that game against in game seven against Toronto. But they had Jimmy Butler. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah, but they also in game seven took shot clock violations that ended up I know, burning them. I know, Ke- Kevin. You, you, I think what you said three years ago was two games into the season is probably going to come true. Um, I just don't. And I look like we said, he, he seems like he's a, a great guy. guy. Yeah. But they do owe him, I think, $10 million for the next two seasons. Yeah. And again, you may not have to sell a season ticket next year. So they're, they're, if they wanted well, to keep him, I they... just think they run a big risk if they come back as is or pretty much as is with the same coach. I, and, I just and think. We, and we've look. talked about this with Keith, obviously. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, look, look I, who. who they're only, you know, they're only down one zip. I mean, you know, and I, I think the problem with the Sixers is you pretty much know they can't beat Toronto or Milwaukee. You know, so even if they crap, win, I just saw Milwaukee get beat by Orlando today. <laughs> so I mean, well, I, I they lost that game. They, they were winning big. They lost by fourteen, I think. Oh, I was on the golf course. Um, look, I, look, anything. It, it's a different season. It's a bubble. It's all this. I'm just saying is I don't see, and I think. Joel won't last three series. Uh, no, and, and you know th- this is going to get to all these other issues that they have, which is about conditioning of Embiid, attitude, whether they run all over the coach. It's just, it is just. Uh, I don't. You know, it, it it it's so frustrating to watch. That's the problem. It, it's like you think. Of everything they could have done with what they had, and it feels like it's all been squandered. So, well, look, we talked two months ago before whatever. What did I say? Simmons won't shoot, and Embiid won't be in shape, and that wasn't hard to come up with. Yeah, I mean, and and so if we get to next year, will that change? By the way, no I matter should. who the coach, no matter who the coach is, I don't. I don't care if it's Red Hour back. Um, you know, at some point, it's on them. I should um, I should point out Markel Fultz for the Magic today, fifteen point six assist on six of eleven shooting. Yeah, well, he's a number one pick. He should be doing more than that. But that that's you know that that's what happens when you get taken number one. I mean the ex, the expectations are that you're going to be you know whatever you're going to be. Uh, obviously, the Sixers should have taken Jason T- or Tatum, but they didn't. So what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. And Nick Vucevic, by the way, uh, scored thirty-five in that game. So former Sixer. That's old. old Could you imagine the Sixers with Tatum? Think about that. First of all, they would have never had to go out and get Tobias. Okay, so that would have saved you whatever you gave away for him, Mm -hmm. uh, which was was wasn't that Shamet? Yeah. Yeah, so he's a pretty good player. Uh-huh. So, you know, the one guy you drafted that actually turned out. So think about that. One draft, if you had taken the other guy, where yeah. would you be right now? You know, yeah. but hey, that's 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 the NBA draft. You know, when, when they took faults, everybody seemed, most people seemed to think it was the right pick. So I don't know. You know. Um, we were talking about, co- we were talking college football earlier. Uh, the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten this, got issues ever since they've called off the season. And Sandy Barber didn't really help the Big Ten's cause this week by saying that she wasn't sure 
athletic director of Penn State, we should point out who Sandy Barber is, um, that she wasn't sure if it was voted on by the chancellors and the presidents, the whole idea. put Kind of put Kevin Warren and throw him under the bus. Well, do you think she should have asked her president? It would have before she been a makes good that idea. Statement? Okay, I'm just, look, do you think that the, look, whatever they did, maybe it wasn't a formal vote. I, I don't know. And the fact that the Big Ten commissioner hasn't talked in a week only makes it more confusing. But do you think he made that decision on his own? Like, There's why no would way. he make that on his own? You can't. No way. No way. That being no said, way. they they should be a little. If there's underlying medical reasons, and, and and I'll give the Pac-12 credit. The Pac-12 has put every medical document that they had and voted on out there, and everybody has seen it about the uh, the heart inflammation and all that, and what it does to the young athletes. And the Big Ten has just kind of said, "Well, we're not playing," and that's it. And there's been no release of information, nor doc, no documentation. So they haven't covered themselves in glory. Well, and now they you basically have- were telling you they're putting safety first, whether right. you agree with that or not. Once again, I go back to the fact there's a pandemic going on. Okay, we saw what happened in North Carolina. Okay, we saw what happened at NC State. That does, and all these people who think it's not going to happen with football teams, they may be right. You're seeing what's happening right now at Notre Dame. Notre Dame has gone to the next two weeks of virtual classes because 120 kids, and when they walk back on the campus, at it. And they aren't even practicing yet. I mean, they're not practicing with pads and hitting each other. You know, football, every play starts with a huddle. Mm-hmm. You know, every play ends with a tackle. Um,. I, look, I, look. let them do what they're going to do. If they want to play football, play football. Go ahead. You know, and hopefully nobody gets sick, nothing happens. But again, they're doing this for one. They're not doing it for the kids because the kids want to play football. They're not doing it for Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. They're doing it for money. So just come out and say we're playing for money. I'll, I'm okay with that. Nick Saban comes out today and says that if you play spring football, it might as well be JV football. Because he couldn't see any of the the those who have an NFL draft grade playing in it, is that legitimate to think? Okay, so how many people? So in if, if you take the top two to three hundred kids out of college football, mm-hmm. does that ruin college football? Uh, no. I, I think the better argument against spring football, and I don't know if there's an argument to be made against spring football. I'm okay with spring football. Better argument is how do you turn the season around for the following year? That's well, a legitimate maybe, argument. Yeah, but maybe you only play six games. I, I I don't know. Like you know, we're assuming they're going to play like ten or eleven games and have a bowl. All I'm saying, Kevin, I think college football more than anything, you play for the name on the front of the jersey. I agree. So if Alabama has a team out there and Notre Dame has a team out there, and I'm the quarterback, people are still going to pay attention and root for their team. It may not be the same level of football, but so what? You know, once again, we're saying, is it worth putting kids at risk? Now, the kids have said, we want to be at risk. We want to play. Okay. And all these parents have said, I wonder what's going to happen if one of these parents, if their kid gets sick, really sick. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that'll happen. What would those parents think then? And maybe their kid infected 10 other kids. Sure, and, nobody, and, but nobody talks about that. Which leads me to the other debate that's going on, and the PIAA, at least today, uh, had a press conference and announced that they want to play, but they're seeking help from the state legislature in Pennsylvania that if somebody does get sick, and who knows how you find out because they don't have testing like they would in college. Right. Um. Uh, if somebody gets sick, they want protection and legal liability uh, protection from parents to go against school districts and them, which is to me like if it's safe, if it's that dangerous, if you're seeking a if you're seeking a, a, a waiver, pretty much that you don't want to get sued if somebody comes down with this, then you shouldn't be playing. Kevin, you, you are one hundred and fifty five percent right. But so what what are we missing? What are what are you and I missing then? I don't know. Uh, well, we're we're being part. We're being told we're part of the scare culture. And well, what you just said is not scare culture. If you're not, if you're saying that we want to play football, but I don't want Mrs. Jones suing me. If, well, 
isn't that a scare? Isn't that a scare tactic? I agree. Yeah. So, you know, at least you and I are being up front and saying, hey, people could get sick. You know, that's the thing. It's just like, what what are you thinking? Like, I, I don't get, I don't get like, I get parents who are trying to push for their kids to play and who are willing to take the risk. That's their kids. And I, I, there are some parents who live vicariously through their kids. Okay. And I think that's, what's affected a lot of this. A lot of them want to have football because they like seeing their kids play football. Okay. I I don't, well then they're selfish parents. Well, yeah, I, but I think you got to acknowledge that's part of this. Uh, Well, let me ask you a question. So we're hearing all these questions now about how are kids going to get to school? Mm-hmm. Because there's a big problem with the bus drivers, apparently. Mm-hmm. That there aren't. Well, how are you going to get kids to a football game? If you're taking, let's say, what's a traveling squad in high school? 50? Between 50 and 70. Okay, and, and then you're I mean, depending on, depending. I had a coach who told, a coach <laughs> from a major school, and I won't name what school he's at. <laughs> who said the the requirement is that no more than 250 people can be in a stadium. Okay. (coughs) He goes, my team, and and this is where parents are saying, well, we want to go watch my team, my coaches, the officials and the other team. He goes, we're going to have to cut down to make 250. You know, that's right. With coaches and, and, and managers and all that. He goes, that's before a band walks on the field. That's before a cheerleader shows up. You know, he goes. But how many buses, Kevin, are you talking about? If Michelle and if at best you could put one in a seat, yeah. I mean, so now you're talking. Let's say North Penn. North Penn's the biggest school district I covered. Okay, so they're going to play in the Shaman. And North Penn's playing all road games this year because they don't have a stadium. Okay, what's with their stadium? It's getting they're getting redone. Okay, you're talking an eighty-person roster. You could seat maybe 30 per, per bus. Maybe. 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 Maybe 25. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Right. Uh, you know, it used to be you could pack them in like two or three per bench. Now it's one, maybe two. Um, And you're assuming you're going to get six bus drivers or seven bus drivers. Yeah, and this is assuming that if you're playing this, you're also playing soccer, and they're going to need buses, and field right. hockey is going to need buses, right. and, and golf is going to need vans. And, and Yeah. It, it, people God. don't understand. People don't understand. I, I have a greater appreciation of it this year, having worked in a school last year. People don't understand how big a chore it is to get, uh, uh, buses and, and all the uh, ancillary stuff that goes on with a football program or a soccer program or whatever in just the normal course of a business day, and well, I don't I don't know what these people are thinking. To be well, it's the honest. same people, Kevin, that think that teachers signed on for this. Like, why don't the te- why can't the teachers go in and teach? Well, I don't know because they didn't sign up for a chance to get sick. Like, if you're a 60-year-old teacher mm-hmm. and you're going to go into class with kids and maybe if you get sick, you could get really sick, is that part of the teacher's job description? But there's a lot of people in the public that think it is. Yeah. I don't remember them signing. You know, if you're a nurse or a doctor, I get it. You signed up for that. You might not have signed up for this, mm-hmm. but you signed up to be in the medical profession knowing that something like this could, you know, happen. Teachers didn't sign up for this. You know, all these parents, oh, well, you know, J- Jimmy's got to go to school. Jimmy might have to go to school. But if there's nobody there to teach him, like we're finding out in the CB in the CB district, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do? I I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what, you know, before, now, what, now, how is Pennsylvania different than Jersey, Kevin? Jersey's is delayed. Jersey Jersey's delayed, but but did the governor just come out? I was just going to say, Phil, okay? Phil Murphy. But their numbers are different. What do you mean? Their infection rates are a lot lower. I think per capita 
than they are but in Pennsylvania But that doesn't mean right they now. would be in, in six weeks from now or four weeks no, from now. No, but I think that they feel like that they're, they've got a better handle on it at this okay. point than maybe Pennsylvania does. Look, you know it, it's think? a political it's a political football, and nobody you know wants to get their and nobody wants to get their hands dirty, and nobody wants to say no. You know, Tom, Tom Wolf, Tom Wolf, who look, I'm I'm not a huge fan of his, but I thought Tom Wolf for the most part has done a decent job through all this. Tom Wolf says a couple weeks ago drops a bomb. Hey, we're not. I would recommend nothing through the end of the year. Well, the PIAA goes to his office on Friday and goes, well, what do you say? Well, you know, it's a recommendation. Do with it as you want. Well, no, if you're going to drop that, you got to be able to mandate that it doesn't happen. It go. It all goes back, Kevin, to it's a freaking pandemic. If people don't want to believe it, that's fine. If you don't want to believe it's that serious, there's 170,000 people that have died. <laughs> a lot more are going to die. I, that doesn't mean the 17-year-old football player at North Penn's going to die. Uh, yeah. I understand that. But I just don't understand why people keep trying to act as if it's normal when it's not normal. And you can't just go by, well, my our numbers this week are this. Okay. Well, what if they're not this in three I weeks? I mean, look, there is a there is a decline in the numbers. So that's a good thing. And we all think it's a good thing. But it's also naive to think that we're almost done with this. It's not. How do you think the numbers got to be those numbers? Well, because because people because are, you stayed away from stayed away from each other, right? So now we're just going to play football or yeah. soccer or whatever. We're going to go back to school. Speaking and of, all of a sudden your numbers are going to go back up. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Speaking, but, you know. Apparently it does. Speaking of football, the National Football League, uh, Eagles opened their training camp really on Monday. Um, Carson Wentz is up to 250 pounds. Uh, what was he? 234. Wow. Is that uh, good? They're saying it's muscle. I asked I, you, is that good? I don't know. <laughs> I think is part he, of the, is, I thought part of the thing with Wentz was the fact that he was elusive and he was able to, you know, how much does sixteen extra pounds weigh you down? Then again, we've I also think, seen Ben Roethlisberger gain weight and he's been fine. Well, do you think this is because he's had some injuries and it maybe could be? Think if he's bulkier, he won't. I see. I tend to agree with you in that I always thought what made Carson that second year when he was playing at an MVP level was the plays he made getting away from people. He made plays out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the playing against the Redskins was unfreaking believable. Um, two plays against the Redskins, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying now that he's going into his fifth year that he's necessarily going to be the elusive guy. And a couple operations later, he's going to be the guy he was in his second year. But I don't know. Hey, look – I'm sure they consulted people and thought about it, and and maybe it is all muscle, you know. Um, uh, you know, I mean, they won a Super Bowl with a quarterback that wasn't elusive. So, yeah, I mean, I, they they already have some injury issues. Uh, Derek Barnett with an ankle problem. Uh, Jason Peters is hurt. I know you're stunned by that. Uh, already, already. Jeez, uh, I'd like I'd like Jason. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's probably going to go as an eagle. Go, go yeah, ahead. I'm sure he's going as an eagle. Go, go ahead, my say gosh. It. It's time. Well, it's time. It's not, it's not necessarily time because they needed him because of the injury. Because of Brooks, yeah. But, man, I just, like, it's almost at, at some point, like. It, it, it's time. Really? It's time. Well, well, if Brooks hadn't got hurt, it, he, he wouldn't have been back, I don't think. Um, Unless they have as little faith in Andre Dillard as it sounds like they do. Well, but Andre, but he was brought in not to play Andre's position, no, right? No, he's going to play. He's going to play guard, right? Between Johnson and and uh, Kelsey, right? I get it, but there was rumors he was going to end up playing, you know, tackle because of the fact that they didn't trust Andre Dillard. Well, you know, you got a guy playing cornerback. There was a second-round pick that is very questionable, I think, right? Yeah. You got a guy who's going to be your starting left tackle who was a first-round pick. And the neat thing is they both came from the same conference. 
um, which seems to produce <laughs> a lot of players. No, the Eagles have picked some guys from the Pac-12 that just stink. Yeah. No, nice. No, wait. I shouldn't say that. Andre Dillard's only in his third year. He may turn out to be fine. The Andre Dillard's in his second year. Yeah. Okay. The cornerbacks in his third year. He may uh-huh. turn out to be. Who knows? Um. But I mean, they took the wide receiver from USC. You know. He, you know. Um. Stay away from the Pac-12, man. Just, just don't, don't go there, please. <laughs> that was a chip thing, right? Well, no. This is. No, but Chip loved the Pac-12. Players, oh, Chip right? did love the Pac-12. Yeah, he was all he was all over that stuff. I mean, it's, you know, it's funny. I'm trying to see if they have a depth chart up, and they don't right now. Hey, Kevin. Yeah. Think about the teams in Philadelphia, and Go ahead. talk about drafting. Now, the Phillies have not drafted well, and it shows, and yeah. it hurts them. The Eagles have not drafted particularly well. They still want a Super Bowl, though. So, yeah. you know, whatever you want to say, the Sixers have not really drafted well. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's hurt them even though they have Embiid and Simmons, and the Flyers apparently have drafted well. Yeah, and it's starting to show. Um, and drafting is what it's all about. I don't care what sport you're in, you can go out and get some free agent. But if you draft well, like the Yankees, the Yankees aren't great because of their free agents. They're great because of their homegrown talent. I agree. Yeah, and. Uh-huh. Some- some of our teams don't have enough of that. No, they don't. It's funny. I'm looking at the Eagles roster right now, and I've counted at least – I'm only through the L's. I've counted eight Pac-10 players. Yeah. Well, hey, look. I mean, some of them might – I'm sure there's a couple. Nine. <laughs> we'll par- I mean, Zach Ertz is – look, Zach Ertz is great. Damn. He's a Pac-12 player, so I can't knock that. Um, but it just seems like they've they've – Got off the loose edge for a couple of these guys, and, and as of now, they haven't really worked out. Yeah, and I think the one thing, too, is you mentioned their drafting. Their drafting has just been, you know, look, Jalen Rieger could end up being a great pick. Yep. He could. Yes, he could. I, I think, though, that everybody's going to look at, at Jefferson and what he does. And wonder, you know, especially, I think he's in Minnesota, you know, and wonder, okay, why didn't they take him? Or why didn't they move up and, and get, you know, Jerry Judy? Or, you know, like, there's been a couple of these guys where it seems like they've just picked the wrong guy. Well, part of the problem is the last two or three wide receivers the Eagles have taken have not made it. Right. And that's the problem. Um, the last one probably was Deshaun a decade ago. And they got him because he fell to the second round because he had some issues. Um, and the Eagles got him, I think, at 43. Yeah. Uh, if, if I remember, which is, you know, a steal for a player, you know, as good as him. But since then, they've taken like three wide receivers in either the first or second round, and none of them panned out. How concerned would you be about, you know, obviously the, the price of tight ends has gone up. Have you seen what's happened with George Kittle? Uh, yep. Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, they're going to have a dilemma here at some point because Zach Ertz is going to get a big payday. Well, and one of them, they're not going to keep both of them. They they can't. They, they can't. Can. Um, and, and my, I, I'm afraid that Zach might be the guy that goes. Um, Boy, I'll tell you what, you better get a lot more out of Dallas Goddard than you get him right now then. Well, yeah, well, but, and look, maybe Dallas Goddard won't get big money. Maybe, maybe he's just a guy. But I don't think they think of him as just a guy. I think they think of him as being pretty close to what they get from Zach. And, and part two of this is, if you're going to do that, then you damn well be confident that your quarterback's going to be okay with it. Because he's well, become the security blanket for the quarterback. Look, may, maybe Zach will get the money. Maybe he'll get it here. He's going to get the money. He's going to get the I money mean, somewhere. Maybe he'll get it here. I'm not saying he won't, but... You know the Eagles are—they're kind of up against the salary cap, aren't they? They're—they're uh, they're sky high over it next year, right? Yeah. So, so how can you now? Um, you know, at some point, if the running back is good, he's going to want some money. Mm-hmm. Um, you still got him on rookie contract in our two years, though. Three I know, years. I know, but it—but it all adds up at some. It point. does. Um, and if if you know, I mean, you here's the dilemma. You want the players you draft to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want them to stink. You want them to be good. But if they're all good, 
you know, at some point, if Andre Dillard turns into a, a Pro Bowl type player, you know, you're going to have to pay him. He's a left tackle. Left tackles make money. Um, you know, the quarterback now is making money. Um, that was the luxury you had his first first couple of years, years, and it allowed you to go, it allowed you to go buy yeah. an expensive and, backup. But we've seen that with other teams like Seattle for a couple of years there. They they were hurt a little because they had to let all their defensive guys kind of go because they now they had to pay their quarterback. Um, we'll see what happens in Kansas City with Mahomes. Um, but when I'll know, be honest, the Mahomes contract wasn't as wasn't as prohibitive, given that you know the the value is what forty million. It feels like every you know over the life of the deal, it's a lot of money. It's all, a lot, but it's not it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna handcuff them in the cap. Well, how? Well, let me ask you a question, Kevin. How can the Eagles be paying Wentz less than Mahomes, but it's going to handicap the Eagles, but it isn't going to handicap the because team. I think the Eagles have a lot more of those big big money contracts and 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 you don't think Kansas Kansas City just won a Super Bowl? You don't? Oh, think eventually they're are, going to. Yeah, absolutely. No, well, that that's what I'm saying. It'll hit you at some point. It might not be this year, um, but at some point their tight end's going to get Kittle's money. Oh, he he's did. Going to have to. He did. Um, okay. So if you have him, how many guys can you have under big contracts? You can't. So at some point, some part of their team is going to take a hit, whether it's the defense, parts of the offense, I don't know. But you still have Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. So as long as he's on your football team and isn't hurt, you know, you got a shot. We'll get more in the detail. I'm thinking we'll have an Eagles show in the next week or two. Um, Obviously, we're, the next couple of weeks are going to be dominated by the Flyers and the and the Sixers, I would imagine. As we get closer to NFL camp, though, we'll make sure we get somebody on. Um, I would love to get Merrill back on. We haven't had Merrill in a year, so maybe 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 we get Merrill. Uh, Thursday actually is our one year anniversary of doing this show, uh, so um, we will discuss. I'm sure that at some point. Been a different year, boy. The world was different this time last year, wasn't it? World was different this time six months ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So last. So yeah. Last year, you know, I was in Bermuda, right now for my wife's 60th birthday. Um. And we talk about it all the time because we haven't went anywhere this year, um, except for day trips to the shore. A few of them. Well. Yeah. Um, I did. I did the Clearwater thing, and I have yeah. one day in Bloomsburg. And I'm going to tell people, <laughs> and they, they may think that I, I'm. You, they, you can think anything you want of me. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure 2021 is going to be as different as people think it's going to be. I think people think there's good. You know, oh, we're going to have a vaccine. It's you know, everything. I, I until I see it, and I I see, you know what it does. I still think there's. It's going to take us a couple years to come out of this in some semblance of getting back to where we were, both economically, socially, every which way. You're depressing uh, me, Mike. Well, Kevin. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, but I mean, in I know. March, everybody in March when this first started, well, we'll have baseball on May 1st. You know, we'll have, no, it's a freaking pandemic. It's, I, it's The, the only thing I feel confident about is I think by the, by the time we get the next opening day in baseball, I, I think we'll be able to see some crowds back. Oh, no, I'm not saying – I don't mean it that way, Kevin. I, 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 but what I'm saying is people think that the, the day they announce a vaccine, whenever that, that everybody, is – That's going to be like VE day. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And it's not. And, and, and economically, it doesn't mean everybody's going to go back to work the mm-hmm. next day after that. And, and on and on and on. It, it, does it mean it's going to be as bad as it is now? No. Um. But this, it takes time. It, it doesn't, you know, it, it's uh, it's a lot of recovery. It's a long recovery. Yeah. And it'll be a recovery. There, there's no doubt no. that there will be a recovery economically, socially, but it may take a bit. A bit. Yeah, and I don't think people are willing to accept that. I I, I, I just don't. Um, you know, and it, it doesn't matter who's running the country. If it's Biden, if it's if it's Donald, it doesn't matter. It's, it's still you got to deal with this stuff. Um, and you know, we got to get people back to work. We got to get people, you know, 
paying the rent and putting food on their table. Yep. But first, we got to get people healthy. I agree. So, all right. So Thursday we'll meet again. We'll see kind of where we stack up on guests. Uh, next couple of days we're going to be uh, kind of um, keeping it open. You know, keeping it open. Trying okay. to. So, uh, our thanks to Mister uh, Ed Barkowitz for joining us. Our Our thanks to you for joining us. I should play the out music. There you go. Thank you for joining us. We will see you on Thursday. This has been We're Gonna Be. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your-